Welcome back, everyone, to the Xamarin Podcast, keeping you up to date with the latest and greatest in mobile development for Xamarin developers, covering the world of Xamarin, .NET, Azure, and more. And today, we're featuring another customer story, this time an important app called iRelate. I'm Matt Sokup, and today I'm joined by Dean Gonzalez, Jeff Dorchester from the iRelate team, and Ken Schlobaum from Microsoft. So let's give our listeners some background on the iRelate app itself. Dion, let's hear the elevator pitch for iRelate. Hi, Matt. Uh, sure. Thanks for having us on. Uh, iRelate is one of the world's only anonymous patented multi-channel peer empowerment platforms for mental wellness. Uh, our mission is pretty simple, although uh, it's very hard to accomplish. We are out there to stop the stigma with mental health and allow people to chat confidentially, the same way they would chat about depression um, and LASIK surgery, as an example. And also to gain access to help and healing from peers 24-7, 365 in the place where they're at. And we know that everybody's, are, everybody's on their smartphones. It's a super interesting app, and we'll dive a little bit deeper into it um, coming up. But I want to get into really a little bit about all our all our guests here. And so, Jeff, tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself, what got you into development and transition into mobile de development and cloud development, and just a little bit about yourself. Yeah, hey, uh, thanks for having me on, Matt. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. So uh, my history uh, around development really started in, in the web side of things, and I've always been a, a front-end developer, um, and and but never really tackled uh, the back end of things. Uh, many years ago, uh, when I was working on a, another company that I, I built with uh, Dion, we decided to get into the mobile realm. And being a front end developer uh, and not really knowing, you know, uh, native things, it was very easy for me to jump into PhoneGap at the time and learn, you know, hybrid apps and, and Cordova and all that stuff. So over the years, we've built uh, a number of apps. Um, and uh, in 2017, when when uh, Dan and I came up with this concept, we said, "Hey, let's uh, let's do this again." And uh, this time around, I, I figured it was time to figure out how to do the back end. So I uh, really jumped on YouTube and started looking at uh, videos on on how to create a, a chat app. Uh, and of course, I knew how to do all the front end stuff, but uh, the real challenge there was figuring out how do I connect this this app to to the back end of things. And so we decided to, to originally make our MVP uh, all pointed to Firebase. Um, there were lots of tutorials and, and, and things out there, and I knew I could quickly get this thing out to market so we could at least validate if it was a, a good project to go after or not. Uh, you know, in our hearts and minds, we really thought it was, but you got to see what the public thinks about things as well. So um, that's really the genesis of where we started uh, after we launched things started to get really fun with, with Microsoft, uh, finding out what we were doing. And they wrote a story about us. And next thing you know, we, we got uh, an engagement with a team over at Microsoft to pull us away from Firebase and, and put us onto Azure and actually build a web API for us and do a whole bunch of things the right way so that we could scale properly and, and sort of enter the enterprise level of things versus uh, the, the garage project, so to speak. So, Dion, uh, same question to you. As we were talking before before we started recording the show, you mentioned that you have a bit of development experience, but you, you're also the the product the product person. So, 
really just give us a little bit background about yourself and um, tell our listeners what, 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 you, what you're thinking, your background. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks, ma'am. I, uh, to clarify, I don't have development background in terms of coding, but uh, have been in product uh, for uh, most of my career, uh, which actually started out in marketing automation and, and payments, uh, built a marketing automation platform and uh, sold that um, a couple different times uh, via a couple companies. And then Jeff and I met in 2010 and we then partnered uh, in 2012 to build another iteration of that. Um, but yeah, so my background is primarily in product and business development. So product strategy uh, and obviously uh, working with large clients uh, in channel capacities to deliver the products that we're creating. And been very fortunate over my career to uh, see success both domestic and internationally with the previous marketing automation platform that we had. It was called Loyal Me, um, which was um, in six countries, 18 different languages uh, throughout the world. But that was a much different type of uh, app. It was essentially analyzing customer buying patterns to then uh, receive targeted marketing communications from small and medium-sized businesses. Um, so there's a lot of those out there today, but when we first started building that out, and then as I mentioned, Jeff and I built that out further in 2015. That company, or in 2012, that company was acquired in 2015. Uh, there weren't a lot at the inception of that uh, that were doing it the, the way we were doing it. So uh, this is a totally new realm within the mental health space, but something that's vastly needed. And uh, our backgrounds, Jeff and I's backgrounds, blend very really well because he is more on that front end development side. Um, and then we work together on the, uh, the marketing pieces, and then I'm mostly on the product side and business development. Cool. And as we were talking before the before the podcast hit record, you you were giving me the rundown of the app, and I was kind of digging in already. And uh, we had actually stopped talking about it, so we can actually save <laughs> some of that conversation for this. Um, but Ken, I do not want to leave you out of this. I told you you're going to go last because you're the Microsoft employee and all this, and you know we kind of get the back seat, uh, but. Tell me about yourself. You focus on backend, working with a team called Netcat, which I had never heard of before, but that's not unusual working for Microsoft. So fill, fill all of us in. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, I'm a software engineer with uh, the Microsoft Developer Division, and I'm part of uh, the customer engagement team. Um, we call ourselves Netcat. Uh, and that means I work alongside our customers to help guide them to success on their projects. And we, we work directly with them in their environments, in their timelines, in their code base, and, and we learn to walk in their shoes. Um, so we use opportunities like this one with iRelate uh, to learn how developers actually experience our products. And um, our team has been working uh, with the iRelate team across uh, several iterations of their, of their product here. And we're back at it again. Um, so that's what brings me here today. I'm here to help the uh, iRelate team tell their story. Very good. And all right, so let's dig deeper now into iRelate. It's at its heart, and I'm going to short sell it here. It's really kind of like a chat room app, but it's so, so much more. So Dion, let's let's dive di deep into this. Um, it's really peer-related personal wellness but and I think you mentioned it's it's really it's meant or not it does more it helps stop the stigma of mental health. But uh, so let's let's really get into it. Um, what's the founding idea that how you how you came about it? And uh, so let's dive deeper into it. You mentioned that it has rooms focused based on issues and so on. So 
Let's, let's go into it. Okay. Um, and as we get into, I think the genesis of the app, um, Jeff, you want to start with that and then I'll, we'll transition because it all happened. Jeff and I, as I mentioned, uh, have been working together and have been friends for a decade since 2010. Um, and really it was Jeff reaching out to me, which I think is better if he describes Matt um, sharing his vulnerability um, that was that became the genesis and how he had also helped a guy that we're in a Facebook car group um, with uh, as well. But Jeff, you want to give the intro on that? And then I'm happy to talk about the structure and how it came into play and was so relevant to my life situation and I think many others out there in the world. Yeah, sure. So so really, it, it started about four years ago. There was this uh, weekend that was not fun for me. I ended up in the hospital a few times and I was having a heart condition. And, and finally, on, on Monday, uh, I was still alive somehow and ended up code red in the ER. And uh, they ended up shocking me uh, and getting my heart back into a normal rhythm. And, and uh, every doctor was saying, I can't believe you. You haven't had a stroke already. So they said, now time to go, go find a cardiologist. And I, and I did. And uh, the doctor started pumping me full of pills and saying there was no way out of my current situation, that this is just the way that life was going to be. So get used to it, buddy, type thing. So what basically happened was, is every day uh, I'd take a step and my heart would start going crazy again. And if I take more steps, then it would start making me think, am I going to die? And so when you, when you keep doing this every day, thinking you're going to die thing, um, you start to get this little thing called anxiety. And then the longer that it, that it happens, uh, I got this little thing called depression. Uh, so, um, before that, you know, I always thought that was a different set of the population that, that was dealing with those things, but I all of a sudden found myself, uh, struggling and, um, what I found was, is I felt more and more alone every day as I tried to hide things because I didn't want my wife to think I was weak or my coworkers like Dion to think something was going on. So basically you just hide things and internalize. And that's a bad place to be because things just tend to get darker and darker and darker each day. Um, and all I needed to have was someone to talk to and to, to sort of figure things out. But when you're telling your wife every day how, how bad things are in your head, you, you start to feel like you're running out of emotional capital as well as risking uh, someone looking at you that you even love in, in the wrong way. So fast forward a year, um, I, I was in Facebook one night and there was a guy in this car group I was in and he was posting things that weren't car related. It was all mental health related. And finally, he put a post up that said, um, see you all, I'll, I'll find you in the next life type thing. And so I said, uh oh, this is someone's someone's tro in trouble over there. I know that feeling. So I called him or got him on messenger and uh, we chatted for about an hour and, and I, I talked him off the ledge, so to speak. He said, you know, thank you for saving my life tonight. Um, this chat really helped. You know, he said I was going to kill myself again tonight. And uh, that was when I said, what do you mean again? And he told me a story of um, him having a, another night where things were bad and he figured he would call the suicide helpline, but he didn't like the, the scripted uh, responses from this young punk on the other end of the phone is what he said. And uh, he, he, despite the guy, he set the phone down, shot himself in the head. And his wife had heard the shot and uh, called the paramedics and they revived him a few minutes later. But um, it goes to show that, that w basically what happened 
was that night I was able to talk to somebody uh, because he related to me. He understood the stuff I was going through. I understood the stuff he was going through. And, and we were able to, to work something out, you know, work out his, his little, um, minds frame that night, you know? So I, I talked to him every day, morning, noon, and night for about the next two weeks until he was at a nice safe place where he said, all right, buddy, you know, I'm good now. You, you totally, you know, shepherded me through the, this, <clears throat> this dark valley. And, uh, that's when I started thinking, you know, Hey, um, there should be a chat app out there where people can honestly talk to one another. Um, I didn't have any fear of stigma with, uh, that, that gentleman that night or that, that two week session. Uh, he had no fear of talking to me because the two of us shared an experience. Um, I wasn't there to downplay him or give him any stigma or any of that stuff. We were just there, uh, as, as peers able to talk about something, our struggles, our shared struggles. I had walked a mile in, in his shoes and he had walked a mile in mine, basically. So that's when I said to myself, it's time to actually come clean with Dion, you know, who I've been working with, uh, sharing an office with during this this time where, you know, we would go to lunch and he could see me physically not being able to walk all the way back into the office without taking a break. But he didn't see my mind going crazy. And I knew that there were some things going on in his life that he wasn't talking to me about. So one night I just said, hey, it's, it's time to, to, to let him know about this product idea and what we can go do next and tell him I, uh, you know, what I was dealing with in my head. So I called him one night and yeah, Dion, you, you take it from here. Sure. Yeah. So Jeff gives me a call one night around 10 ish or so. We normally text each other. Right. So it was unusual that he called me, but I was dealing with a, a bit of a family crisis and what was going on at the same time that Jeff was dealing with his AFib and the depression, which, as he mentioned, I could see the physical impacts because we'd go to lunch every day and, you know, we'd walk 10 feet and we'd have to stop. And I could see that. I just didn't understand what was happening within his mind. And honestly, he hit it so well that I had no clue that he was struggling. Um, and at the same time that he was going through that, we had a uh, suicide attempt in our house. We have four kids and uh, one of them was struggling and doing fine now. So, you know, thank goodness for that. But it sent us and the entire family into this state of anxiety and depression and it, um, things that we still still deal with today. Um, but I certainly wasn't sharing that with Jeff. So it's interesting that both of us were dealing with the mental challenges of, of different things. Um, physically, I was doing fine. Mentally, I certainly wasn't. Uh, but we weren't talking about it as friends and business partners or, you know, work colleagues at the particular at that particular time. So when Jeff called me, I was going dealing with a little bit of a, a family crisis at that point. And I just said, I can't talk to you right now. I've got to deal with this. And he said, well, call me back. I think we might have I might have an idea for something that would help with that. And I said, sure. So I called Jeff back, uh, got everything settled. And he just said, um, he asked me if I remember this guy in the Facebook car group. And I, I, I knew who he was. And he, then he told me the story that he just told everybody. And I said, wow, that's incredible. And then Jeff just opened up and said, and by the way, I've, I've, you don't know this, but I've been living with depression. And my first response was, why didn't you just tell me? You know, you can tell me anything. I'm not going to judge you. It, you're, you're in a, a safe zone with me kind of thing. And it was all the classic answers that Jeff just went through. It's not easy to talk about. You only have so much emotional capital. People don't want to continually hear I'm you know, depressed today. You just suck it up and fight it every single day and every minute. And sometimes it's a massive struggle. 
And so then Jeff really flipped the script on me and just said, well, I, I know you're dealing with some things too. Have you told me everything? And I said, no. And he said, well, why not? And it was the exact same thing. So the light bulb moment happens and you realize that the stigma with mental health is so powerful that close friends and business partners don't even talk about this amongst themselves. They just harbor it inside. And that's got to change, right? So Jeff said, what if we, you know, go build something like this. And it's completely different, Matt, than anything that we had ever done before. As I mentioned, we were working on marketing automation and and payments, and we were thinking about going and building some new data analytic products out there um, to drive customer buying patterns and things of that nature. We had no intention prior to this epiphany of, of going into the mental health space. So, I said, let me sleep on it. And it was one of those where you're not sleeping real well because you're, the wheels are just turning in your mind of all the different ways that this could be impactful in the world. And uh, so I was training at my MMA gym the next morning and my uh, favorite trainer and I, he's a good friend of mine, he asked me what I was going to go do next. And I shared the idea, just the conceptual idea of what we're doing. And he said, oh, wow. Good friend of mine is the executive director for the Green Beret Association, which uh, is now the Special Forces Foundation. They they changed their name, and you should go talk with them. And so I did, and uh, it was immediate. He just said, "You have no idea how bad we need this, my guys. You know, these are Navy SEALs, Green Berets, Rangers uh, that are both active and retired. The toughest of the tough, mentally, physically, they come home." And after about two years of uh, after retirement, they can't relate to their tribe anymore, their people that they had worked with. And so the subsequent issues, you know, start happening mentally and taking the form of depression and suicide, which we know is highly prevalent in that population and many populations, much too high. But uh, long story short, they said, yeah, let's let's get this going. And then then it really just started taking hold and realizing that everybody in the world has mental health. There's a statistic out there, which Jeff and I don't like, but it forms the frame of this where we believe it does provide some impact that one in five people globally will face a mental health challenge in any given year. And that's somewhat exclusionary because it's easy to say, I'm not the one out of the five. I'm not that 20%. I'm in the 80%, right? But the real truth of the matter is that five in five people are impacted. When we were having the suicide scare in our house, we have six members in our house, six and six of us were impacted. It wasn't just the one that was struggling at that particular time. So we said, hey, let's go build this app. Um, let's try to tr- transform the personal challenges that we have lived with and we still live with uh, collectively. And as cliche as it sounds, build something for good and try to make the world a better place. But that was the whole genesis of, of I relate. Those are amazingly powerful stories. And so I was sitting here, I put myself on mute because I didn't want to just say like a curse word, like, Oh, you know, but all right. So one thing I was thinking though, during it is that these stories are, can be literally life or death. And we're talking about an app, which just seems kind of, trivial compared to it, but it's not because this app can literally help people save a life or just, or help people get better and feel better about themselves. So tell me a little bit more about this app and how it works 
based on helping people feel better. I mean, so when I log in, tell me a little bit more on how it's going to work better, Jeff. Yeah. So, so the idea is, um, if you think about it in general, we're like a social network. Um, the big difference is the anonymity uh, and the topics of conversation. So many of these social networks today have such a filtered view of everyone's lives that are on them. You know, it's everything from uh, a camera that, that changes the way someone looks to uh, people not even sharing the real truths about their lives. Um, you, you see this this other version of somebody, you know, some of them, it's like the, hey, l- let me show my old high school buddies, uh, you know, who's the best guy out here now? Uh, and that's not life. You know, that's not really what's going on. We know that people struggle in all forms of, of ways and and don't have an outlet to go and really talk to people about their struggles that they face. So when we uh, really talk about what we do uh, and we say we're a peer empowerment platform for mental wellness, one of the big keys there is wellness, right? So at the beginning, we, we said, hey, let's look at topics of mental health and let's create rooms in the app so that people who have these struggles can go and talk to their peers who have the same struggles to figure out, you know, hey, can you help guide me through my troubles? You know, make me feel like I'm not alone here. Let me learn more about these things. As I was uh, presented with my challenges, uh, I did feel alone. Um, I went and saw a clinician and it it made things almost worse for me. It made me uh, not 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 feel like I, I wasn't alone. Um, I felt more and more alone. But the the idea here is um, we have also topics around wellness things. So that's things like, um, you know, having a bad day. Um, I'm having financial troubles, um, th- rooms for, for people like caregivers uh, who may not be struggling with a, a mental health challenge themselves, but are now uh, facing challenges all around caregiving and 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 all the burden of, of what that brings. Right. So. It's a great place for for people to go in and actually be on topic. And so we have a a whole number of rooms that are these different topics that people can go in and and just talk to their peers. Um, Like Dion said earlier, we we are not a clinical app and we're not a crisis app. Uh, We do have ways to to do that handoff, to give people uh, over to the clinical side of things if need be. But we also know that there's a huge gap between somebody uh, internalizing things and maybe never seeking help at, uh, of any form. And then that huge step over to the, the clinical side of things. So what we want to do is we want to have people at least uh, begin that conversation, begin start talking about uh, what what they're facing uh, as far as, as their mental health and mental wellness struggles. So yeah, users go in the app. Um, they're presented with a whole bunch of rooms. You can join rooms at, at will um, and and see which ones work best for you. Um, along those lines of social network uh, standards, we have the ability to make friends within the app. And uh, we also have the ability for friends to create groups. So if you find a, a bunch of people that are like-minded with you and share the same struggles, you can create your own group and, and take the conversation off to the side, so to speak. But... Um, we also make it so that uh, no users have to say who they really are. And that's the key to making sure that 
this anonymity piece allows somebody to open up. We've had many users jump in the app and say, you know, in, in a global room, for instance, um, hey, you know, I've never told anybody this in my entire life, but here's my struggle. And after they say that, they're like, oh my gosh, that felt good to finally let that out. And, and we're seeing that more and more is that the people, when you at least start talking about the struggles you have, you start to, to heal. And sometimes it's just letting it out and getting it off your mind and knowing you're not alone, right? So we've built this app to, to support uh, people in that way. It's, I'm going to say amazing, and I use that word too often, but yeah, that's, well, it's, it's, it's amazing. And I'm going to, Jeff, I'm going to ask, or Ken, I'm going to ask you about some of the APIs that you built to support this app. So Jeff was mentioning that it was, it's organized into rooms and there's like a main room and, and folks can actually spin off into subgroups for lack of a better word. So I'm going to go off and guess that there's APIs to support all of this. And so can you give me a little bit of a breakdown on what you did to, or some services in Azure that support this and kind of like a little bit of an architecture overview of? Sure, sure. Um, I I like the way you described it at first, uh, because when you think about a chat app, it might sound like something that's kind of simple or something that you might see in a demo. But when we started building this, when we started looking at everything that we're doing in the app, um, we find that we're actually using quite a lot of uh, Azure services. There's, um, uh, of course, Key Vault and Azure App Service. We've, we do have a web API, as you were just thinking, and you know we're managing our connection strings in there. So some common things that people are probably thinking of. Um, and then the next thing that probably people are going to guess is, you know, we're, we're doing chat, so we're doing real-time communication, and uh, we're using SignalR. We're using Azure SignalR for that. Um, but then you get further, and you start to think, okay, well, people aren't always in the app. Okay, so the next thing I'm going to need is to keep the conversation going, to, to keep people aware that, you know, their story is being heard and these, these conversations are ongoing and evolving. Uh, we keep them engaged through deep notifications with Notification Hub, um, and you know th- this this room, this context, that history will be there when they come back. So we're we're using Cosmos to store the the conversations, and um, you know th- there's this concept of identity. Even though it's anonymous, uh, we still need to know that when you come back, you know who are your friends, who are your uh, the groups that you're joined to. Uh, we've got Azure B2C for that, and so it becomes this suite of services that we've used that um, just formed this gestalt that actually solves this problem that we're that we're working uh, towards working on it's, it really sounds like you're using half of azure there and uh, so <laughs> yeah what, <laughs> what was the so are you using any offline um data sync like so i'd imagine that you still can view the conversations while you're offline so let's say you're traveling on a plane or something like that. So is there offline capabilities to this app or not? So it's a little bit of uh, offline context. I mean, when you've joined a room, when you've got access to the history, you will be able to see all that. Um, but everything there is still very live. Uh, your room memberships, your uh, the different rooms that are available, uh, that stuff is there. But a lot of the power of the platform is, is alive. Okay, very good. And Jeff, I'm going to go to you. Um, so you all said that when you were, I guess, 
proof of concepting it, prototyping this app, you started out in Firebase, but then with the help of the um, Netcat team, moved over to Azure. So what were some of the things that you liked best about Azure when you were moving over? What were some of the things that you found most helpful when uh, performing that? I'm going to call it a lift and shift over to it. Yeah, so it was really uh, an interesting challenge that we faced at the start. So um, we created the app uh, with a connection to Firebase, and we were using Firebase for user uh, authentication. We were using uh, Firebase for document storage and for some uh, cloud functions, right? And so the the app was very much a, a smart app at the time, right? It was doing all the calculations and it was just telling the cloud what to do. And so uh, we were actually running into some, some difficulties still uh, with the setup over there. And when we met the team at Microsoft and they said, you know, would you, would you think about coming over to Azure? And we said, well, that sounds great. You know, this is a, a much better way to, to scale things and to grow things and, and to actually make this an enterprise application. So the first challenge I think really was, is how do we mimic what was going on at Firebase over at Azure, right? And that's everything, you know, like the, how do we set this up? You know, how do we get the right services in play? And so when we started looking at things, you know, sort of on a one-to-one level, you, we said, all right, Cosmos DB is this great document storage, right? This is, it's the same similar type thing. Now, how do we make sure that we let everyone's app know that there's a change to that? Well, let's invoke Signal R, right? Let's start to say, hey, if there's an update here, we got to let everyone know about it. And that's creating our chat feed. Um, when we said, hey, let's, let's build an API. And we said, you know, let's, let's build a .NET Core uh, web API and, and, and make this thing actually function like a, an app should, um, we started building that out as well. So the, the more and more we kept growing this and we kept looking at the services that Azure uh, would allow, it made it a single stack application for the back end, which was glorious because we weren't, you know, jumping around and using a little bit over here and a little bit over there and, and trying to find out, you know, how do you connect all the pieces? Uh, Azure actually had all the pieces in place and it was just saying, you know, how do we arrange them to, to get this thing to work the way we want to? And I'd say right now, um, you know, with all the services we are using, it's working great. And not only in a live fashion, but also in a staging fashion. And the way that we also work with um, DevOps and, and our pipelines and, and, and our backlog and, and the way that, that uh, this huge stack really plays together uh, creates amazing efficiencies across the board for development and release cycles. So I'm going to dive into something that Ken said and then something that you said, Jeff. So the first thing I wanted to talk about, Ken, is that we're using Identity, which um, is going to be Azure AD B2C. And the second thing is is that we have, um, you're only going to be, seeing things that you signed up for when i see say things is like the various rooms so you see that initially and uh, so that's gonna be like personalized to you and so i guess how do you control that within cosmos are you doing like partitions so you see that or how how is that how how are you doing that to make sure that users are um i guess are you using any anything like that by partitioning or how do users see what they should be seeing yeah. Um, 
I think Jeff actually might be able to handle this more than I can, but uh, I'll take my first stab at it. The the first thing that we do is we try to actually keep um, two sources of data. And so when we have when we say we're using Azure B2C, that's one data source. And when we say we're using Cosmos, that's our second. Anything that needs to be persisted that's not necessarily about the user, um, that's where Cosmos kicks in. That's what we're using that data store for. Uh, so history about a room or the fact that a room exists or the relationship between the room and some of our other business partners, that's, that's being stored in Cosmos. Um, information about the user, things that are personally identifiable, things that are managed by their account, those are things that we're using Azure BDC for um, to be able to tighten it and secure the, the information on that, that's protected for that user. To uh, create the relationship between that and um, uh, the rooms that the people are, are able to see, we uh, use security groups inside of Azure B2C. And as you're signed up, um, you're joining in, you've got uh, multiple different paths to join in, and there's kind of a few different uh, models there. Um, but as part of that registration, you get joined into those groups. Jeff, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, I mean, that's that's really the the core of it. Um, and it's also really nice because there's a separation of, of data, right? We want to have uh, PII user data uh, stored in Active Directory, and that's just only in the form of an email address. We don't ask for any more than that. And then over on the, the Cosmos side of things um, is all the other data. So we like to have that separation layer there. But um, by using the different document types, um, we can just run some quick queries to say, all right, if this, you know, what uh, room collections does this user belong to? What rooms do they belong to? And so forth. Uh, who are their friends? And, and we store those in different types of, of documents in Cosmos. But um, it's very easy and fast uh, to, to do those lookups and and uh, have this thing uh, running like a, <laughs> like a well-oiled ship. So... Oh, very cool. And now I'm going to let the secret slip that so far, this is not a Xamarin app. Um, it's coming, <laughs> as, as I understand, but it's not a Xamarin app so far. So um, like the Cosmos SDK is going to be, you're using that from the cloud, um, probably using it in an app service or a, or a .NET Core um, web API. Would that be correct, Ken? Yeah, we're using that from the web API. Okay, very good. And so how are you using Key Vault then to connect with that? Are you using like a, a managed identity from the .NET Core uh, app service or some other means? I guess, where does Key Vault fit into this overall structure? Yep, you nailed it. Um, so rather than keeping any of the secrets in code, uh, what we try to do is make sure that all of our connection strings for uh, the several different services that we've mentioned are stored inside of Key Vault. And um, to connect to Key Vault, uh, where we read basically our, our app settings, right? Um, we're using a system assigned uh, managed identity. All right. Very cool. And um, so, Ken, I want to stick with you on this one. What was the most challenging part of any of the architecture that you helped put together here? What was the one thing that you were most proud about? when you you work them through this solution? Uh, I think that's two things. Um, you know, the thing that was most challenging for me is just that sometimes you'll encounter things while you're working with services that aren't documented yet. Um, 
or you know there's things that people have asked for help for um, for for on our GitHub issues, and we we know that the answer is there, and sometimes we didn't make the next step to get into the docs. Uh, so one of the little hiccups or challenges that I've faced recently is um, related to SignalR. There's a, a four kilobyte limit on uh, some information about the claims about the user that's uh, limiting some of the access that that you would do there. Um, so that's just a little hiccup. You know, we update the docs, make sure that that's fixed, and then adjust the co code accordingly. Um, but as far as things that we're most proud of, uh, I would say the ability to migrate from ASP.NET Core 2.1 to 3.1, that went pretty smoothly, I would say. Um, you know, The ability to transition from one version to another version, to walk through the existing migration path that's out in our public docs, and just apply it and um, make the shift and, and see that everything continues working. That seemed pretty pretty awesome. And I love that you mentioned the docs because that's one thing that we, as I'm sure you know, working with DevDev is something that we always try to make sure is our first class experience because that's where folks turn to immediately to learn how to use our products. And so those need to be up to date and they need to be easy to follow and need to be great. And when they're not, we try to fix them immediately. And everybody can raise issues on them as well because they are all hosted in GitHub and those issues get triaged right away. There's people looking at them every single day. So docs are important to us. Raise issues on them. They get looked at and they get assigned right away. Um, I've written docs and I've gotten issues assigned to them when I, when I make a mistake to them. So yeah, we look at them and they're important to us. So Jeff, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the DevOps portion that you mentioned before. Can you walk me through what we're using uh, for DevOps and iRelate? Yeah, so um, we're using just almost all of it right now. Um, DevOps our project, basically, you know, we we have our our boards that we run our you know our work items through our backlogs, our sprints. Uh, it's really easy to do planning sessions and grooming, um, and and really keep track of what's going on, uh, and really figure out what we need to 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 either fix or or enhance. You know, um, and it's really nice to even have those uh, tied into the test plans. Right now, since uh, we are not on Xamarin yet, we do a lot of the test plans in a manual fashion. Um, so when we do our QA and, and, and go through the app uh, pre-release, and we, we can actually uh, document from there, you know, exactly which bug is associated with it or, uh, you know, which, which app version is having an issue. And it's really nice to do that tracking. And it's really easy to, easy to replicate that um, each time we do it. We also use the repos uh, for, for everything that we're doing over there. And uh, it's real easy to, to, to do um, uh, PRs and, and have that communication path uh, for all those PRs as well, so that uh, you can really track what's going on and have a, have other team members jump in and 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 do code reviews and and so forth. Um, and then pipelines have been real fun as of late. You know, we used to use the uh, regular uh, I forget what they were called, but it was the the old um, pipelines where you use the UI to to put together basically your your steps. But um, when Ken came over here, uh, he started saying, "Hey, you know, they're gonna uh, slowly." 
get rid of that functionality and we need to move over to YAML pipelines. And uh, so now we're, we're fully on YAML pipelines and it's really, I think, a cool thing to see how those are set up in comparison and also see the efficiencies uh, and, and the speed of the builds of the pipelines with them. Um, and also how we release our code, right? How do we, how do we get things into staging? How do we get things into production? And so it's, uh, it's amazing that all of this is in one spot and, and talk about efficiencies yet again, this, uh, DevOps really, really brings efficiencies to the table. You might've been the first person ever to mention efficiency and YAML in the same sentence. I always have issues and there might be one too many spaces in my YAML file and the whole thing blows up, but you can check it in the source control. So there's that, but no, I always love the, 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 the graphical user interface version of DevOps. The, I always have issues with the YAML though, but it is super powerful and it's really, really nice. So I also wanted to touch on Jeff, as you move over to Xamarin, um, what are you most excited about? Going going into this Xamarin, uh, I'm most excited about finally being on one stack. Um, you know, having one Microsoft solution for this whole project we work on. Um, one of the things and challenges that we've been facing with uh, the hybrid app route um, has been obviously you know the, the npm updates and and all these packages that you have to worry about and then the dependencies within those packages on other packages and keeping everything up to date is is a full-time job you know and and i i feel like a lot of the struggle with development is about fixing stuff instead of building stuff right and what we want to do is we want to release software more often that's better and and i feel like um the move to Xamarin is going to give us the ability to not have to worry about managing all those things all the time and give us a much, much better uh, native experience in the app. And knowing that that we're not going to run into some package, you know, either being out of date or being unsupported or even being pulled. Um, I remember a time a few months back where there was an NPM package that was pulled and you know, all my pipelines are not working. You know, there's just um, builds are getting failures left and right. And and the more you dig in, you can't really figure out what's going on until you realize, uh oh, this is out of my control. You know, what am I going to do here? Um, <laughs> that just went away. So um, I know with Xamarin, we're not going to be having those issues anymore, and we're going to actually be able to focus on on what it is that we do, which is help people with our software and. Uh, I, I'm just beyond excited to to begin this project here very shortly. And that's one of the things that we talk about when I go out and do an introduction to Xamarin talk at conferences is that we say that it's you can focus on your core business with, when you're using Xamarin, that a lot of the pieces are taken care of for you, like especially when you're using Xamarin Forms, so you can spend more time focusing on making your app great for your customers and for your core business. And so that's exactly what, what, we, what we like to hear. And so perfect. And so Dion, I wanted to ask you as we, as we kind of wrap up here, is that you mentioned one of the upcoming features that you have is you're going to put some artificial intelligence 
into the app using uh, some bots and some sentiment analysis. So you can fill me in on a little bit of what you're hoping to accomplish with that. Yeah. uh, So right now the app is very much human oversight and we love the community that is there to help and heal one another. Uh, That being said, as we continue to grow and scale and create white label apps out there for various partners, we know that there's going to be a need to make the app a little more intelligent, all from an engagement standpoint, as well as moderation and prevention. So the key components of that will be things uh, like implementing the sentiment analysis to understand what the conversational tone uh, is in each room and groups and between friend conversations. And that really will serve the function of driving engagement so that users feel more and more engaged through the app. Uh, moderation if somebody violates our terms of use and privacy policy, uh, which we've been very fortunate to not really uh, have those types of issues. And uh, then prevention. So if somebody, and this is obviously near and dear to our heart, and we've seen it in the app uh, quite frequently, Matt, where somebody uh, is spiraling, a user reaches out and says, hey, what's going on? Or somebody says, I'm, I'm you know, struggling with a particular issue. Can you please help me? Um, we see the community responding, but we want to be a lot more responsive uh, with that. So part of the foundational elements that we've started implementing with Microsoft um, are cognitive services. So the app is in 54 languages already uh, using the, uh, the translation services API. And that's really the precursor for us to start training the language models. Uh, we've already got uh, had that data analysis done on the infrastructure. And so now we're formulating the capability to analyze um, sentiment uh, to then interject. So the, the use case would be if somebody is spiraling, say, in the suicide room or in the app in general and says, much like this, how the app got started, see you later, world, I'm out of here. Uh, having that be recognized on the system and then interject and intervene with an Azure bot service that says, hey, it looks like you're struggling. Would you like some help? And that help can serve the, you know, be by way of 911. If that's where the, the user wants to go, it could be tapping the button to get access to one of the 5,500 clinicians that we provide access to through the app. Um, or it could be tap here to send a push notification to a friend uh, to you know, engage in conversation. But really putting in meaningful ways of using the artificial intelligence and the sentiment analysis to really help people, which again is the whole uh, reason why we built the app. So the, those are some of the things that we have on the roadmap. Um, and that we will, you know, we're saving for the new move to Xamarin, which, uh, as Jeff mentioned, we could not be more excited about. And uh, as soon as we have that framework there, we're already starting to, uh, you know, move down the path of the requirements and everything for uh, these features, which I think will be incredibly impactful to our users. So that's, it sounds great. An incredible app just getting more and more incredible with the, with the AI being added to it. And so, yeah, I'm blown away about what this all app can do. And one of the things I was thinking as we were doing this podcast is what we do as app developers. Over, sometimes it kind of does, as I mentioned before, sometimes it seems trivial, but it really is super important and it makes a difference in a lot of people's lives. So, I mean, this really kind of drives it home. So as I wrap up the podcast here, I wanted to... Um, we do a pick of the pod at the end of it. And one thing I did want to ask you all is um, one thing that you're especially into right now. What is the 
one thing that you're digging right now and uh, that you just want to let everybody know about, Jeff? Um, yeah, I, I guess the, the biggest thing for me right now is, is uh, I guess, driven from this whole COVID issue, which is finding a new release, right? And so I've been looking at all forms of, of uh, things to do outside again, you know? Um, it seems like uh, exercise is more important than ever. And I've been looking at things like kayaks and figuring out how can I get out there and explore the world in new ways. Yeah, if, if it wasn't for the outdoors, the COVID would have been, yeah, incredibly more difficult to get through than what it was. And Dion, same question over to you. Wow, how do I pick just one? Um, yeah, I think the priorities have shifted quite a bit, obviously, with, with COVID. Um, but some of the things that are still that I'm real passionate about is a, I coach competitive soccer and we're underway with our season. So I'm very happy about that. But when I'm not outside, which I love outdoors, Jeff and I often work from our home office outside, him in his backyard and me on my patio. Um, but it's a, a TV show called Yellowstone, which my nephew turned me on to. And it's uh, when when your day is done and you just want to watch some TV, uh, this is a pretty good series to, to get involved in. So Yellowstone is the one that we're looking forward to uh, on a nightly basis right now. And Ked, what are you digging? Uh, I'm with Dion. I think it's hard to pick just one thing. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I, I think a lot of the updates that we're pushing um, uh, they recently are, are very intriguing. You know, I've been watching um, the .NET 5 uh, previews that are coming out, looking at some of the new uh, features that are in there. I think Blazor is definitely an interesting thing, uh, just to see the way that the web continues to evolve and there's different options to do all the different things. Uh, it's, it's been really fun. Great. Well, everybody, I really, really appreciate it. And Dion, where can we find more about the app? Where can people go to find about this? Yeah, well, you know, we're everywhere. So obviously you can find us at irelate.org. That's I-R-E-L, the number eight, .org. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, all under irelate.org or .org. Uh, one of the two, you can search both. And again, that's I-R-E-L, the number eight, uh, so I relate um, dot org, uh, but we're pretty much everywhere out there and uh, we're on numerous podcasts as well. We've also been very fortunate to be um, keynote speakers at Microsoft Ignite a couple of years ago and um, Cheddar TV as well uh, by way of Microsoft and the relationship we have there. So if they if uh, your listeners Google some of that, they might find some some pretty funny moments with those interviews as well. He told me about it before, and I'll I'll let our listeners find them. I'll link to them in the show notes, but I won't ruin the surprise. <laughs> That's great. All right, everybody. I really appreciate it. This was a great podcast, and thank you so much for coming on. And I relate a great, great, very powerful app. And this has been the Xamarin Podcast. 